WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light Indicator in Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. There have been three more convictions in connection with the plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Those verdicts came today. Second defendant, Joseph Morrison. Count one, gang membership felonies. We find the defendant guilty. Count two, providing material support for an act of terrorism. We find the defendant guilty. Count three, weapons, felony firearm. We find the defendant guilty. Joe Morrison, Pete Musico, and Paul Beller were convicted on all counts of providing material support, gang membership, and felony firearm in support of a plan to snatch Governor Gretchen Whitmer from her vacation home at the height of the pandemic in 2020. The men were part of a paramilitary group called the Wolverine Watchmen. During the trial, jurors heard conversations secretly recorded about wanting to spark a civil war. The men will be sentenced December 15th. Four other men have been convicted or have pleaded guilty of federal conspiracy charges. Two men have been acquitted. The defendants were upset about the governor's COVID policies. In an effort to clear up questions that may still exist about the counting of absentee ballots and the eventual certification of those results, Michigan election officials this week addressed concerns that some county canvassers may opt not to certify results if they face challenges. Tony Daunt is the Republican chair of the State Board of Canvassers, whose job it is to eventually certify Michigan's statewide results. I remain hopeful that the canvassers and all 83 boards or 83 counties will do their duty and do their jobs. I've spoken with members of staff at the Bureau of Elections and they're prepared. They're taking this potential seriously, but um, we are prepared to do our duty and to do our job. It's anticipated more than two million state residents will vote by absentee ballot. The Michigan Secretary of State's office reported Tuesday, two weeks ahead of Election Day, more than 1.8 million absentee ballots were already requested by voters and nearly 772,000 have been submitted. Voters who already have an absentee ballot should hand deliver it as soon as possible to their clerk's office or ballot drop box to avoid postal delays. Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Republican challenger Tudor Dixon have made their final case to voters ahead of the November election. They met for their second and final debate last night. Dixon came out swinging at Whitmer, saying the governor's a radical and a liar who has brought the state down the wrong path. On inflation, Dixon said Whitmer has failed to give Michigan residents a break when she could have. This governor has not done anything to help inflation, but I would put money back into your pockets. I would make sure we have that child tax credit. I would make sure that we reduce the income tax, and I would make sure that our seniors who are on a fixed income are not receiving more taxes than they should, and we can put more money back in their pockets. Whitmer said the inflation is a worldwide problem, not just focused on the United States. Meanwhile, she pointed to things the administration has done to help people cope with child care and education costs. On energy, Dixon called for the Line 5 pipeline to be allowed to stay open, while Whitmer said a new energy future is on the horizon. I want to make sure that we are expanding our energy alternatives in clean energy and being good stewards of our water. We know that climate change is already having a huge impact, whether it's the tornado in Gaylord or the flooding in Midland. I showed up, I helped people get through it, but we need to build out clean energy alternatives and be a driving force in the transition in our autos. On education, Dixon said Michigan students have fallen behind due to being kept out of the classroom during COVID, while Whitmer said her only thought was about protecting their lives at the height of the pandemic. With recent controversy about banning some books in schools, Dixon warned pornographic materials are being allowed in school libraries, while Whitmer said all students need to feel accepted and safe. 
She wondered if anyone actually believes that books are more dangerous than guns. Set for this weekend is a rare meeting between the recipient of an organ donation and the family of the man whose donation saved her life. The Indiana Donor Network tells us the mother of Joseph Rayum will meet with Sharon Culbreth, who received Rayum's heart on Saturday. A 31-year-old Culbreth was diagnosed with heart failure and an enlarged heart and received Rayum's heart after he died unexpectedly. His mother, Tenna Smith, and Culbreth will meet in St. Joseph to discuss the life and lasting legacy of Joseph Rayum. It'll be a private gathering on Saturday, also to feature some expanded family members. The Indiana Donor Network tells us nearly 90% of organ recipients never meet the families of their donors. This is a rare exception. During the meeting this weekend, Culbreth will present to Smith a Build-A-Bear that she had made that features a recording of Rayum's and now Culbreth's heartbeat. First robotics teams from around southwest Michigan can now apply for grants from Indiana-Michigan Power. INM spokesperson Corey Olenkamp tells us the grants will boost interest in science, technology, engineering, and math for local students while helping them compete in robotics at the pre-kindergarten through high school level. There are different grants for different levels of competition. Yearly, we give around $200,000 across 11 different states for any of the programs through First Robotics. There's several that we're sponsoring. It's the First Robotics Competition, which was on the high school end. Uh, there's the Tech Challenge, which is around that middle school to high school level. The Lego League Challenge, and then the Lego League Explore, which those are more for elementary school and middle school students. Olin Camp notes the work done by INM and parent company Air American Electric Power can be pretty technical, and the companies want to encourage those students who pursue an education in STEM fields. He says First Robotics is a fun way for them to nurture those interests. The robotics grants range from $250 to $6,000, and to apply, a team should go to aep.com slash aepfirstgrant. The deadline to apply is January 27th, and the winners will be announced in March. The Berrien County Health Department is reminding everyone about the dangers of prescription drug abuse as a drug take-back day approaches on Saturday. Berrien County Health Department Prevention Supervisor Lisa Peoples-Hurst tells us the most common kind of drug abuse involves substances that were obtained legally. Because prescription drugs are easy to get. There may be several prescriptions in a particular household and therefore accessible, specifically children and, and teenagers. People's Hearst says that some patients think their medication is safe just because it's legal. A lot of the cases that we see, people were genuinely prescribed a pain-relieving medication for maybe a broken arm or some type of condition. So in some of our cases, it was an honest start with their own prescription drug medication. Drug take-back day on Saturday will be a chance for anyone to get rid of unwanted medications with no questions asked. Drop-off disposal containers will be on the west side of Corwell Health Lakeland Hospital on Napier Avenue in St. Joe from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturday. People's Hearst says that since take-back events started about 10 years ago, there have been far less abuse of prescriptions among young people. And home sales in southwest Michigan continue to cool down while prices rise and the inventory slowly recovers. The Southwestern Michigan Association of Realtors says September home sales were down 15% from September of to last year, while the yearly overall sales were down 13%. The average price in September was $340,000 compared to $324,000 in September of 2021. The inventory, or homes available for sale, was down 3% from September of the previous year, although for the year overall, the inventory of houses for sale increased to a 4.1-month supply available for buyers. To compare that to another year, there was a 17-month supply of inventory in September of 2010. For September, there was only one bank-owned or foreclosed home sold in the region. 
That was just 0% of the sales. Nationally, the Freddie Mac mortgage rate in September was 6.70, up from 5.50 in August for a 30-year mortgage. One year ago, that rate was 3.01. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. Candidates are making their final push with voters ahead of the November midterm elections. Now less than two weeks away, Pennsylvania's open Senate seat could decide which party controls Congress. More from ABC's Justin Finch. Both parties eager for a Pennsylvania Senate win, punching up the pressure in Tuesday's debate hosted by News Nation. On abortion rights, Democrat John Fetterman separating himself from Republican candidate Mehmet Oz. If you believe that the choice for abortion belongs between you and your doctor, that's what I fight for. Oz supporting leaving the abortion rights question to the states. I want women, doctors, local political leaders, letting the democracy that's always allowed our nation to thrive to put the best ideas forward. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. When Russian troops crossed from Belarus into Ukraine in late February, pressing toward Kyiv, they were ordered to block and destroy nationalist resistance. That's according to the Royal United Services Institute, a London think tank that has reviewed copies of Russia's battle plans. Soldiers used lists compiled by Russian intelligence and conducted what they called cleansing operations, sweeping neighborhoods to identify and neutralize anyone who might pose a threat. They captured, tortured, and killed people on the slightest suspicion that they might be helping the Ukrainian military. Their leader who approved those orders was Colonel General Alexander Chaiko. The International Monetary Fund says Russia's latest strikes on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine mean that Ukraine's recovery will now cost more. More from ABC's Zenas de la Quatera at the Foreign Desk. The head of the IMF saying Russia's latest strikes on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine have raised the cost of Ukraine's recovery, with Kyiv expected to need roughly 3 to $4 billion a month just to keep both its power and water supplies running through the end of the year. And that's in a best-case scenario. The IMF expects that number could jump as high as $5 billion a month in a worst-case scenario should Russian bombing continue and become even more dramatic. In as de la Quatera, ABC News at the Foreign Desk. The Biden administration is firing back after an appeals court temporarily blocked the student loan forgiveness program, which the White House says would help get millions in education and out of debt. Six Republican-led states filed a lawsuit against the program, saying the Biden administration overstepped its authority. ABC's Karen Travers says 22 million Americans already signed up before the order was handed down last week. It's not clear when the issue will be resolved, but student loan payments will restart January 1 after being halted due to COVID. They uh, have the authority under what's called the HEROES Act to uh, be able to do this with student debt in an emergency situation. Now, that emergency is COVID, which, of course, gets a little tricky right now because you have the president saying the pandemic is over and we're coming out of that COVID period. But the White House is saying that they're going to continue fighting this. They have filed that appeal. A Wisconsin man was convicted today of killing six people at a Christmas parade last year. More, more from Aaron Katursky. We, the jury, find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, guilty. The conviction of, of Daryl Brooks took all of about three hours. Brooks drove his SUV into last year's Christmas parade in Waukesha after running from a domestic disturbance with his ex-girlfriend. Six people were killed, including an eight-year-old boy, Jackson Sparks, who was marching in the parade with his baseball team. Brooks defended himself at trial, sometimes behaving erratically or arguing with the judge. The conviction carries a mandatory life sentence. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. 
The three main greenhouse gases hit record levels in the atmosphere last year. That's according to the U.N. Weather Agency. They called it an ominous sign. Earlier today, the U.N.'s climate office said current pledges to cut greenhouse gas emissions put the planet on course to blow past the limit for global warming countries agreed to in the 2015 Paris Climate Accord. It said its latest estimate based on 193 national emissions targets would see temperatures rise 2.5 degrees Celsius above free pre-industrial averages by the end of the century. And children's hospitals around the country say they're dealing with a new kind of surge. It's not COVID, but the pandemic may have led to the new respiratory virus problem, says ABC's Alex Stone. Derek Smith is among parents in the U.S. right now dealing with a toddler suffering from RSV. The whole family is sick. Children's hospitals are reporting they're out of beds, overwhelmed by RSV, and doctors say it's likely a result of the pandemic. The children were not exposed to RSV because of masks and social distancing, and now they're getting it all at once. Dr. David Cornfield at Stanford Children's Hospital. We're seeing it in children who are now one year, two years, and some even three years of age. Alex Stone, EBC News. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.